Coming from not live. We'll start again. Coming to you live from Brooklyn, New York. It's the Any Given Thursday podcast, your weekly Europa and Conference League fix. That's how you do an intro. Wow, that was amazing. And we've just seen our first uh, group stage match week of the season, and it was very exciting. We had lots of action, lots of goals, and uh, a few big time upsets. Um. And we're at a better place to start than the Europa League proper. Let's do Group A. Yeah, we can start with one of those that looked like it might have been teetering toward an upset as uh, TSC, the Serbian side, they struck first against West Ham. It was a bit of a shock coming out in the second half. They did. I'd say West Ham uh, had the rare opportunity to have 70% of the ball. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen to them that often. And they didn't completely look like they've felt like showing up at the stadium to, for that first half. They were mm-hmm. sluggish and didn't create that many clear-cut opportunities. They looked like it might just happen for them. They probably weren't even sure what team they were playing, mm-hmm. which is fair enough. Fair I, many people haven't heard of uh, of TSC Bakatopola. Not yeah, that used was to being... Impressive <laughs> confidence in going into there. Not It's probably Batska. Batska, yeah. But whatever. We can call them... TSC, I think. You call them TSC. That's uh, their official it's name. It's not a team that's used to being in European group stages, let alone the Europa League, although they are in first place in the Serbian League right now. Wow. If you'd believe it, they're 6-1-0. That's a great start. I haven't lost. So, you know, maybe we should be giving them a little more credit. West Ham didn't, though, because um, come the second half, when, you know, you'd think David Moyes would have put a little fire in their in their bellies. Uh, 35-year-old aged captain Ogbana <laughs> hands the ball uh, <laughs> to the TSC striker Stanich, who puts them in front 1-0. Yeah, that was um, one of the biggest errors of the day. Yeah. Okay, with quite a few individual Which, errors. Yeah, but... I'd say one thing we do say about these competitions, especially the Conference League, is that if you defend set pieces and don't give away really stupid errors that lead directly lead to goals, it's hard to win. And <laughs> You know, yeah. you're, you're hard to beat. Mm-hmm. And in, in these competitions, um, unfortunately for Agbana, who I'm not really sure he should even still be playing, <laughs> even midweek for West Ham. Yeah. Uh, it's absurd. This man has Italy national team caps. Yeah, he's old and not good anymore. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the team picked up the slack for him. Uh, Kudus had an almost double with the first actually being labeled as an own goal mm-hmm. um, by Petrovic on TSC. And then Suchuk, Suchek fired home a third in the 82nd minute. West Ham remembered what they were good at, which is set pieces and crosses. Yeah, like you said, defending set pieces can be really, really key. It makes it hard to get beat mm-hmm. in these competitions. TSC struggled today against West Ham, who, to be fair, are... One of the best, best. in Europe, probably. Yeah, at this point, right? They have when great you're... set-piece deliverers, including the legend James Ward-Prowse. Yeah. And they have a bunch of big old boys. But the defending itself Suchek. on both of these was pretty weak. Uh, it was. Kudos found a pretty good amount of space, I thought, on the, mm-hmm. his only real goal, uh, West Ham's second. Mm-hmm. And then Suchek just jumped in front of the TSC defender. It was way yeah. too easy to get that positioning. And, you know, TSC are going to need to tighten up if they want to get any points. Yeah, in this group because it's a tough group. As uh, who just uh, to be got off the mark for also for the for his West Ham career? Oh, that was his first West Ham goal, I believe so. Oh, nice, good for him. Uh, so yeah, that's yeah. notable. Yeah, uh, the other game in that group was Olympiacos and Freiburg, and which uh, is a repeat of a fixture we saw last year in this competition. Yeah, they were um, in with this... Freiburg also beating Olympiacos away. 
mm-hmm. but a little eat more easily uh, yeah. last year than this year, which is a game they frankly probably shouldn't have won. Yeah, last year was a three nothing. This year was a three two for Freiburg. Yeah, Olympiacos will hope to do better than they did in the last year's group with mm-hmm. zero wins. Yeah, uh, I think that's probably going to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually really thought, confident. as I suggested, that they were the better team for much of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, but giving away some slightly cheap goals and not finishing all the chances they have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think you just need to watch the first 10 minutes to see why I would put Freiburg as like one of the favorites and I would not have Olympiacos anywhere near that conversation. I mean, one of the favorites being like, I think they're like top six or seven teams that could win. Right. Possibly. But Freiburg make a mistake and then they recovered well from that mistake. Olympiacos couldn't punish them. Olympiacos make a mistake and Freiburg jumped on it and scored immediately. And that's like, I think what separates the mediocre teams in this competition from the ones that can go really deep is just recovering from your own mistakes and capitalizing on your opponents. It's what separates good teams from great teams. Yeah. It's going to be tough for Olympiacos to get out of the group if when they, they, they need to pick up some points at home against, you know, and this was not the game to lose. Basically a draw would have been fine, but this puts them in a slightly difficult position um even though as i said they were the better team they should have won this game yep and next week though we do have or two weeks weeks from now now, yeah it's a week off uh we do have a really key matchup in this fixture freiburg taking on west ham as in germany if west ham get three points there they could very easily have already sealed up top of the group yeah and olympiacos will be hoping that is the case i would Mm -hmm. think at this point yeah so olympiacos they travel to serbia to take on tsc for match week two all right, why don't we move on then to Group B, which was an absolute goal fest oh, yeah. this week. Uh, we had Ajax taking on Marseille, first off. Two teams in absolute chaos right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not the expert to speak on this, but Marseille, as you may know, um, is kind of a disaster as a club. But, I mean, they always are, but more so than usual. Yeah. Um, the fan groups met with sort of the board and the manage and the people who managing football operations with the club basically demanded they all resign. And some of them were like, okay. <laughs> and uh, the American owner was like, Hey, you can't fucking do that. Then who's going to run the club? Um, Which to be fair, is probably the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, but you know, uh, after seven games, uh, Marcelino decided fuck this and walked out the door, perhaps rightly. Um, so that's Marseille's context coming into this. Ix, meanwhile, it's just a terrible defensive team this year. They uh they have five points through four games to start the season, and that's actually five games because they. <laughs> this is at, we're recording this after the fact um on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh and this is after Ajax got Der Klassiker against um against Feyenoord, um and remember champions last year participants in these competitions. Uh, Feyenoord went out uh, and took a 3-0 lead in 32 minutes uh, in Amsterdam and fans started throwing shit on the pitch and then it continued after halftime so they had to abandon the match um, and then fans tried to break into the stadium and riot police with on horses got involved it was such a disaster and pretty pretty embarrassed pretty much an embarrassment for those Ajax supporters involved yeah. who are bound to get some sort of match bans now at least in the league mm-hmm. um, so Nobody's really happy here, but they did put on a pretty exciting display, all things considered. 
Um, it has to be maybe the worst defended game of the day. Um, nobody looked particularly interesting, interested in doing any defending, and a lot of people didn't look that interested in finishing pretty clear cut chances. Um, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang probably had the uh worst double I've ever seen in that he scored two good goals, two ish good, two eight, one and a half good it, goals. Yeah. Uh, and also missed like a hat trick of fantastic chances. <laughs> yeah, this game could have well finished six six. Both teams had XGs over two, which is just yeah. crazy. Yeah, that they had enough time to develop that. Both team, I mean, Marseille had twenty five shots. Mm. They had six big chances. Mm-hmm. Like, but it should have finished six six. I had five big chances. Yeah, it could have. It should have finished six six. Yeah. Um, I do think it's interesting though that none of Marseille's goals came from what were deemed big chances either. That's <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this was not a great, I mean, it was a great game to watch, but yeah. also a really frustrating game to watch. Cause it's like, yeah, you just want it. It's not a high quality game. No, it was not. Uh, a couple of good goals scored, not including the first one from Borges, which mm-hmm. was literally a punt from the goalkeeper over the top of the Marseille <laughs> defense. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, the commentator, something said something about it. that's not how they, they teach it. And, you know, at Ajax, but it'll do yeah. sort of thing. Um, so kind of a mess. These clubs don't look like they're getting improvements anytime soon. I think Ajax just let go of their director of football. Yeah. Like an hour ago. <laughs> and we should say Marseille uh, also today in the French version of Der Classicer, mm-hmm. the La Classique in against PSG, they got smacked for nothing. For nothing. It was without Mbappe playing most of the game. Yeah. So neither of these um, teams look particularly good going into match week two, but they Which probably is, uh, like their chances right now. And well, maybe I will say the transition I'm going to go with <laughs> is that this might bode well for AK Athens moving mm-hmm. forward because they went to Brighton on their European debut and beat them. They absolutely beat them. We thought, you know, a draw would have been surprising. A win is uh, unprecedented. Um, and, you know, before we get too far into the surprise element of it, we should say Athens were the champions of Greece last year. Mm-hmm. They're not, a, they're no slouch as a team. They're mm-hmm. not, they're, it's not like Baka Topola coming in and beating West Ham. Not that they did, but yeah. Um, but yeah, so, it's not. So we don't mean to disrespect them by saying the length, the length of the surprise, but this is a surprise. Brighton's Especially a lot of high people have put Brighton as second favorites to win this competition. Yeah. At least before the Champions League teams drop in. I think obviously I think we all expect that. We saw this with Villa to too, which we'll get to in our Conference League section, but. Um, this was a nice reminder that sometimes it's hard for the newbies to uh, work out how the the process of the midweek game goes, mm-hmm. especially when it's on a Thursday. Um, and, you know, Brighton got back to winning ways in the league this weekend, and they still look good. But um, it's going to be an adjustment, and they don't have a lot of time to figure it out because this is the group of death, and uh, they're going to have to respond immediately. Um, they, I thought Athens deserved to win. I or oh, at oh least yeah, draw. I thought you said Brighton for no. one second, and I, yeah, I think Athens definitely did. Athens, of course, twenty five percent of the possession, less xG shots, whatever. Yeah. But what they did really well is they identified all the things that West Ham, uh, did to Brighton a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. which is you defend really deep and a really low block, and Brighton don't want you to do that because they want to draw you into a press so they can play through you. Um, AEK refused to do that, and. Then they scored a couple set pieces on them. Yeah. Simple as that. Bing, bang, boom. The defending deep thing, too. It's really, if you go back and watch the game, right, there's only a couple times where Brighton even look threatening at all. 
But yeah, they, I'd like, say what, they got listed with a bunch of big chances. I'm not sure I agree with those. But well, they had. I'd say they probably had between. They had two penalties, right? Those yeah. Brighton's two goals. So they had a two xg, fair or pen- a one xg, fair penalties. Yeah, but, but their non-penalty xg was one. Mm-hmm. So you know, maybe you could say they, you know, per the statistics, just because of the level of ball control they had, could have been good for a draw. But they didn't deserve to win. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. I and mean, Athens and-, and Athens just uh preyed on the few weaknesses they have to, you know, devastating effect. So full credit to them for uh, their performance. Um, isn't their manager, didn't the manager used to manage like San Jose earthquakes or something? I swear he I did. I do not know. The did, yeah, he was the earthquakes manager for was four he? years. That was his last job. Oh. He took over in May 2022 in Athens. Mm-hmm. They win the league and now they beat Brighton. <laughs> what a guy. Yeah. Before he was at Guadalajara. Okay. See, that makes River more sense because he's Argentinian, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how about that? MLS for the win, baby. Yeah. We should name him just for listeners. It's Matias uh-huh. Almeida. Mm-hmm. I totally forgot that he was a he MLS might get years later. He might. Uh, but yeah, this is not really. I mean, it was a surprise result, especially for the fans. But they're you know in, on the south coast on Thursday night. But uh, this what's not a surprise is that this are these are the issues sort of identified with the that with Brighton before. So mm-hmm. I mean it. It's not uncommon for a team on the up who plays really aggressive football to struggle breaking down low blocks for in the first bit of their ascension. So it's not like an uncommon thing, No, but it's notable. And yeah, they'll have to, they have some work to do. Yeah. And I do think the got a couple things wrong here. Um, Cause Athens, I mean, on the counter, they were great. And Igor is an overly aggressive defender who got caught out. Mm-hmm. A couple of times, I don't think he was necessarily suited to this kind of game. Sure. Uh, he just like he ventured a little too far forward. He didn't keep his line very well, yeah. and Deserby, he's pretty new to the team. Yeah. So I think really likes to rotate yeah. a lot, and he has been doing so in the league so far with like pretty devastating effect. Like they made six changes ahead of the United game yeah. last week, and they beat the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in this case, it didn't really come good. Yeah, and then James Milner, I think, was just too slow an option at right back for this game. Yeah, I I don't maybe. think he's a terrible player. Lamptey came on in the fifty fifth. Yeah, I think I think yeah so. yeah, and I think they kind of like the City of goal and the uh, Gakanovich goal both came down the left originally, if I remember correctly. So mm-hmm. I do think there's like. Something to I just think Milner was the wrong choice yeah. in this kind of game. Could have maybe been a game for Beltman or mm-hmm. um yeah. But it's definitely this could be the wake up call that Brighton need, and for it to come early before the Ajax and the Marseille games might yeah. actually be useful yeah. to them because those are two teams that are also struggling and are yeah. in their own little. Like, I was gonna say a, an interesting take might be that this these two games against Athens could be the hardest game yeah. Brighton have mm-hmm. considering the level of defense we're dealing with <laughs> yeah. in the rest of the group. So exactly. Brighton and, and Ajax, especially Ajax, but also Marseille, they want to play with you and they want to mm-hmm. be aggressive. And that's exactly what Brighton wants. So I still think they're probably totally fine here, but I think Athens has a chance to actually make some serious noise in this group. Yeah, It may week. even be favorites to go through second. Next week, first. Brighton go to Marseille. And if they lose that mm-hmm. one, then I think we have to start worrying mm-hmm. if they'll get out of this group. Um, And AK hosts Ajax. So and again, that's, that's another kind, one where... Yeah, I think that's I, kind of Brighton's like real uh introduction to European football too. Go into, the, go into Marseille and play, yeah. playing, playing in front of that crowd as they're in chaos. Mm-hmm. What's more, What's more European than that? The plane at Marseille while they're in chaos. Only yeah. if Marseille has just been accused of cheating in some yeah, way, would it be more <laughs> fitting a European yeah. introduction. That'll be that. The stadiums they're going to go to, the atmosphere is Marseille, 
um, you know, in Amsterdam and in Athens are going to be quite something. Yeah. Um, anyway, very interesting group. Uh, group C featured uh, a couple of decent games as well. Mm-hmm. Rangers riding that Ibrox effect to a 1-0 victory over Real Betis. Um, and you have to say, more than deserved. Yeah, this was... Totally dominated the chances in this game. Don't let the 1-0 scoreline trick you. Mm-hmm. This was a really open game. I mean, uh-huh. but Rangers had over 2 XG or something yeah, crazy. Rangers like that. I mean, by two or so three. many chances. They did. They kept... They kept ba- the... I, the uh, first of all, there's some really good saves from 65-year-old Claudio Bravo. And from Butlin, too. And I, Butlin, too. But Betis Bravo made a couple of phenomenal saves to keep Betis level for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it took uh, Abdallah Sima up top to uh, finally find a way through in the 68th. But um, Rangers was just clattering the goal, yeah. just missing all game. All yeah, I was really – this was really concerning watching Betis' defense in this game. Obviously, I haven't watched much of them in Spain. Oh, so a little bit of a slow start. Yeah, I wasn't really sure if this was like a one-off, maybe – Had a couple of tough fixtures, but they've been off to a slow start. Maybe just struggling with that Ibrox magic that seems to – Yeah, seems to possess head. Rangers every time. It really does. Not so, in the league, just not in Europe. just in Europe. Well, they don't really need that much help in the league. It's, well, they can't beat Celtic, but yeah. yeah. It's always down to just those two, but – yeah, I thought this was this is a really entertaining game for a one nil too. And yes, it was. Betis didn't create a lot, but when they did create it, they were really high quality chances and really good shots. I thought their front three mm-hmm. played exceptional for a front three that didn't score. Yeah, uh, Butlin just had a really really strong game. Yeah, and if if you know Rangers will expect to maybe pick up nine nine points at home now, um, yeah. having gotten the toughest home game out of the way, mm-hmm. nine points might be enough to go through. So yeah, this should be a really good sign for Rangers. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Sparta Prague three two Aris Limassol. Um, this game wasn't as close as the scoreline either. Um, Aris took the lead through a pen early on, uh, but it was pretty much all Sparta from there. Mm-hmm. Um, they accumulated three goals. Aris uh gets one back late, but I didn't really find this to be particularly close. Seeming Sparta looked pretty tasty. Um, after the dicey opening ten minutes, the crowd was rocking. Pretty comfortable, I think. Um, might be a difficult place for Rangers and Betis to go play. Yeah, this is one. This Sparta looked like a real banana peel for those mm-hmm. two teams. They were very much in control of this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we should say though, this is also Aries's first Euro- European group stage, which yeah, first Europa League, right? First European. Group I stage. thought they were in the con- no, they, they got in knocked out in qualifiers. Oh, last year. okay. Yeah, they didn't make it. Good for them. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that either until I was watching like. Golazzo and they mentioned it. I was like, really? This doesn't feel like a team that it doesn't. No, no. Uh, doesn't. but yeah, well, the so... conference league, you know, not that old. No, but uh, yeah, Eris, their first, uh, they'll get to host their first mm. game next week as Rangers will travel. So let's see if they, if Rangers get a result there, I think they're through. Yeah, I think you can pretty much chalk it up. They'll get at least, yeah, you expect them to points. beat Eris at home mm-hmm. and a result again. Yeah, and Sparta, like, yeah, they're in good shape. Betis has some work to do. They host Sparta next week and. That'll the be big very one. Gotta pick up three points. Gotta there. pick up three points. Uh, group D. Group D was uh, coming into it one of the more enticing groups. I don't think there's a bad team in this group. No. And there's definitely not a consensus on who the best one is. Mm-hmm. We'll start with who I predicted to finish first. Atalanta, who took care of business at home against Raquel. They sure did. Uh, and Raquel really only had one chance all game. <laughs> but it was 
so weird. I mean, there was a good chance. It was more than a good <laughs> Reiterman is one-on-one with the keeper. He has like half the field to work with, uh, but it's a great job by Musso to step up and make a big save. And that could have totally, totally changed the game. It was nil-nil at that time, right? Or was that, was it, it was one nothing. Uh... sorry. One nothing. I think. Was that, um, it was second. Was early, after the Decatelier goal? I think it was early second half. After the best player in the Italian league scored? Yeah. Early open second the, half. Open the scoring? I believe. <laughs> and that could have totally changed the game, but Atalanta found a second one with uh, Ederson to seal the game off. Man, good thing Charles is the best signing of the year. Charles Decatelier is going to be so good for Atalanta. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I mean, I uh, can tell. He just didn't fit with Amalan Fan. He didn't fit with the team. But I love that uh, that Atalanta Luis Muriel is still going strong. Dude, he struggled, yeah, I he's thought. He's so old. He's they, only 32. I thought he was like 38. Yeah, he's just so reliant on pace that it's like, yeah. I felt like age is catching up with him quicker. Remember when he was the best player in Europe a couple years ago? <laughs> yeah, best goal scorer. <laughs> um, yeah, Atalanta also, though, if you're a coach listening mm. to this, um, don't let Atalanta get the ball at the corner of the penalty box. Or like, they got the ball there probably eight or nine times throughout the game. Mm. And every time they do the same thing. Lookman or Muriel will get the ball at the top left corner of the penalty box. They'll pass it to either Coop Miners, Darone, or to Ketelar, who's right there. And then they'll run a diagonal line and they'll get fed the ball back and they'll have a good chance. And they didn't score it at all this time. But like yeah. they had a uh, seven big chances mm-hmm. and a near four XG today. Um, easy to say, 10 shots on target. Yeah. Easy to say they probably should have won by more than 2 0. Yeah. Raquel um, struggled to adjust to anything yeah. Atlanta was Atalanta was doing. But Atalanta, um, you know, they slipped up a couple of times earlier in the league this year. Mm-hmm. But they're starting to look like a little bit cohesive, like they have some stuff going for them. Yeah. And once they get a guy like if Skamaka can get going or if um their new signing that they brought in, El Hilal, El something. The Argent? No, oh, no, that's sorry. That's no. who are you thinking of? Um, hold up, it was one of their new signings. El Bilal Torre. Oh, Bilal Torre. Yeah, yeah. yeah. El Bilal Torre. Um, he, if he comes in and can hit the ground running, like mm-hmm. that's there's some chances for this team to be one of the best teams in the late stages of this competition. Yeah, they, they have I think a they've lot done a pretty good job of refreshing in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, they had like a little setback as their squad aged, um, but they seem like they're doing a good job as they do in recruiting young players and refresh revitalizing. Um, Sturmgras one, Sporting two. Uh, this was another one that was not quite. You know, I didn't think it was as close as score indicates. I thought Sporting and Atalanta kind of laid really, the markers down. I didn't feel like Sporting was that impressive. I mean, like probably just about deserved winners, but you know, it could have gone differently if Sturmgras had held their one nil lead for longer. Um, I was expecting a little more from Sturmgras in this game. They, yeah. I've just really enjoyed watching them in the past year, um, and they didn't offer a ton going forward. I thought, but me, I still thought they were a little unlucky to end up conceding. For me, I thought Sporting looked really good outside of Gilcares and Trincao. Mm. I thought nine players looked substantially above the quality of Sturmgras, mm. and that those two just struggled up top. But I trust, at least I trust Gilcares in the long run. So I think that's that this is a good result for Sporting. They looked like a team that's going to go through, and I feel pretty comfortable with them. I think they they probably will now. Yeah. I mean, this was their. Uh... This was their primary competition for uh, going through second, <laughs> if yeah. they are to go through second. Yeah. Um, and and uh, I just don't trust sporting that much. I've just, I I, I don't know. Ever I'm, since I watched them in the Champions League last year, blowing their, uh, blowing their home fixture to Frankfurt in the second half when they yeah. should have gone through. 
I don't know. There's something about them. I don't trust them. Yeah, well, they have a big matchup next week. They host Atalanta, and Raquel will look to get on the board against Durham yeah. Graz. In this case, Poland. probably we'll decide first or second. Yeah. Um, Maybe even this early. Mm-hmm. Um, Because it's Atalanta's on paper, their toughest fixture. Yeah. Uh, let's move to Group E, where uh, Liverpool started with a little bit of a scare against Lask, but ended up 3-1 winners. Yeah, after a, set three after a hat trick of second half goals, three separate English teams went down one nothing and managed to yeah. win three one. And oh really? Yeah. And this is a bit of a Liverpool thing this year too. They like to concede first right now, mm-hmm. um, and they like to look a little shitty in the first thirty minutes and then look really good for the next sixty minutes. That's been a thing in the league and the and in Europe. Um, and it was actually a really lovely goal from Lask to open yeah. open the account. Um, it was a a corner flick to sort of set up lob to the far post mm-hmm. um and uh flecker put a put a fantastic boot on it yeah he takes sent it one past kelleher one touch to set himself up and then a second one yeah off a little bit of a volley and yeah not much kelleher could do about it i thought kelleher uh, was a little late gravity birch but... was also a little late to get out to uh mm-hmm. get out to challenge or the whole liverpool team was i don't know if that was his responsibility but it is nice to see Graven Birch get his first start for the Reds. I um, think he's going to be. I think he's going to be good. Quite the player now that he's out of Bayern. Yeah, he's in a healthier, growing environment. He doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't have the the expectation to start every game mm-hmm. or any game. They yeah. started a, and he'll get more starts than he would yeah, have at Bayern. They started a some interest. They had some interesting lineup choices today. Yeah. I'll say Endo can sometimes starts in the six for them, but they'll start at Harvey Elliott, who actually had a pretty good game, and Graven Birch, um, who ended up assisting. Uh, they started uh, Ben Doak, the 17 year old Scots. Who's just ben he was not right. ready for this level. He didn't have a great game. Uh, and they also started Bicetic on the on the in right, right back, back, which yeah. was also surprising, mm-hmm. given he played midfield last year. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's you know he probably inverted, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't Liverpool's strongest eleven, but you know Luis Diaz and Darwin Nunez did start and both score. Salah came off for a cameo off the bench the last 20 minutes and just like it was one of those where like it looked like the ghost of Pele or something like came on the pitch with a bunch of scrubs and was just like oh this guy's totally better than everybody on yeah. the game, in the game and he scored one of the goals of the day mm-hmm. um which in the 80th minute to seal it it was pretty funny he looked like after he beat a couple of defenders and had a tight angle to shoot on the goalkeeper he had two uh teammates to square to in the center of the box but just instead neatly meg the keeper. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if he didn't score then, they would have had the right to be so mad at him, but he always does. So, yeah. I, last I thought uh, was that they have a decent account of themselves, though. Mm-hmm. Even though they barely had uh, any attempts on target or on uh, or many attempts at all, yeah. frankly. But I thought they battled. Um, and, yeah, I think second place is still up in the air in this group. Absolutely. This was not a end of the run for Lask. They definitely nope. looked like a capable team. I do. I disagreed a little bit about Harvey Elliott. I thought in the midfield, he looked pretty bad. It wasn't until they brought on McAllister and... Um, you didn't think he had some good distribution? He had a couple I, of sharp passes. I just thought including he one so to, much better on the right after one to McAllister Darwin Nunez, and He put it a beautiful on. ball into Darwin that Darwin fucking missed. Yeah. Darwin also... This is just, Very a, frustrating this is just a thing for him. He ended up scoring a penalty. He missed two, one in particular. Huge chance that was actually a really stupendous save um by by Lowell, the goalkeeper um the young austrian but yeah he ended up scoring the pen but darwin makes life hard on himself we know this yeah 
But even the thing about Elliot was just, I thought he looked very capable and a high quality player on the right. Mm-hmm. I thought when he was in that midfield three, he just, it's not the right space for him. I don't think his position was good. He doesn't offer enough defensively. I don't think he's good enough at the like short progressive passing game. And I think once McAllister and Sabazla came on and Elliot got to move well, yeah, further forward into the right, it was a total change for him. Yeah. And so. McAllister and Sabaslai have been revelations for Liverpool so yeah. far. We knew McAllister was going to be good, but who knew Sabaslai would come in and be this right. effective so early? I thought I well, I definitely would have had Sabaslai ahead of McAllister. Really? Yeah, last year? year? Absolutely. Well, la- yeah. yeah. Maybe. No, I thought McAllister was great last year. I, I th- I, if I was ranking all the attacking midfielders in the best world, players. Sabaslai was one of last year he was for Leipzig. No, no, no. McAllister is not an op- is not an attacking. I would have called him one for Brighton. He, well, he was for Argentina. Yeah, maybe he that's why I would have. Maybe that's why I would have counted like, as well. I mean, sometimes I would have counted. Sometimes he played in the ten. He was either eight or ten. But yeah, he's been playing six for Liverpool. I just didn't think Sabasly would hit the ground running as well as he has. That's fair. Like McAllister is a, is, a, is a known commodity, and Sabasly played two years in Leipzig. So yeah, Leipzig, who are yeah. in the Champions League. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, Ben Doke though. Uh, Maybe alone would be best for him to the championship. He's, he's a baby. He's so young. Don't he's a baby. don't throw him to the wolves here. Whatever it's last. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Saint Joao's one, Toulouse one. Um, this game was pretty well balanced. With mm-hmm. I'd say the better of the place slightly edging to the home side, USG. Um, Toulouse scored a penalty just at the end of the first half. Um, before St. Joao's was able to equalize. St. Joao's best play definitely came in the second half and they were down. Um, and they started creating some chances. Um, Toulouse may be lucky to hold hold the draw in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh I'd say it wasn't too much in this uh between the two. And uh yeah, I think Toulouse will be satisfied with their their first uh first European match in decades. Absolutely. Um, away from home. Disappointing. I every time it happens, I'm gonna comment on it. Disappointing St. Joao's is playing in not their home stadium, which mm-hmm. is so cool. Yeah. Um, it's it's also purple because it's Anderlecht Stadium, which is disappointing <laughs> when you're hosting a purple team. Yeah, it's a little mis yeah, misleading. Uh, but you know, yeah, some really nice uniforms in this game. Mm-hmm. Love those two uniforms. Toulouse has a lovely multi-shaded purple striped kit. Yeah, we're good. very pleased with that. I do also want to point out, um, I don't have much more to add to the game. I thought. Like I think he kind of mm-hmm. captured the essence of the game well. It's not one of the key wow, ones that you. we need to highlight. But um, Mohamed Amora, he was subbed on for Yunus Saint in mm-hmm. the second half, and he looked electric. Scored the equalizer. Yeah, he could be their next big like project signing that goes on to they a top five league. Uh, he came. He got his first start on the weekend mm-hmm. as well, uh, and he's got a brace to help him win. There so yeah, he looks like. A good signing for them. Their next, we'll uh, their next mathematical win. Yeah, for for seeking talent, mm-hmm. they started an eighteen year old in the midfield too. Did they? Noah Siddiqui, Belgium. Oh, there's only eighteen. Yeah, there wow. you go. Um, yeah. So why don't we move on then? Yeah, Group F. This one, we'll start with uh, Ren hosting Maccabi Haifa. This one went the the first game, right? No, that was Lille. <laughs> yeah, this uh, one went the, went pretty easy for Ren. I would say so. They were quite dominant. They not in the in, not on the way you think. They scored in the first minute with an incredible seconds in Ludovic Blas goal. I, maybe the game, the goal of the day. Maybe that was quite the goal. Uh, how far out was that from? Let's see. I wonder if it's listed anywhere. It was so far. I mean, he it it, it on the half volley. Uh, he's well outside the box. Yeah. To the to the 
left, off to the, the left, left side yeah. and he takes it on a hop and just smashes it, looping it over the keeper who I think the guy named Itamar Nitsen, he's a 36 year old Israeli, the keeper. Mm-hmm. I think he should probably do better there. I don't want to take anything away from how awesome the goal was, but I think he's probably not expecting to be fair. Blas to take on the shot. Yeah. So I think he's a few yards further out than he would have liked to be as a starting position. And he can't really get a hand on it. Take nothing away from Blas, who beyond scoring that goal was absolutely everywhere in the first half. He was zipping yeah. all over the, he was popping up on the left. He was popping up on the right. Um, he was very active, whipping in, whipping in crosses, very impressed with his, uh, with his effort. Um, and then David's flavor player, Teat, the center back, Arthur Teat, 23-year-old Belgian, took an absolute laser of a shot. Mm-hmm. And it was when he hit it sort of with a little bit with the outside of the boot, outside center. So it sort of swerved back in. And he was even farther out than Blossos. He was like fucking 40 yards. Yeah, he was so deep. He was like 35 yards out. It was and a- hit the post. And it was so unfortunate that didn't go in. It was maybe even a better shot than than uh than Blas's. Um didn't to make matters worse for Maccabi Haifa. Um, their second goal that they do score um, is also a volley <laughs> or a half volley. Yeah. Um, headed off, I think it's after a corner or a set piece. Mm-hmm. It's headed nodded down to uh, Trufair, who's a right back, left back, left back. Yep. Um, and he volley half volleys it into the <laughs> into the corner. Yeah, from outside the box. Yeah. as well. Yeah. You got to be if you're Haifa. You're like, come on, man. Uh, <laughs> right at the edge of the box. Um, to be fair. Ren did miss most of their easy chances in the game mm-hmm. and decided to settle for scoring the most difficult ones yeah. uh, in true Darwin Nunez style. No, um, they did add a third in the second half. That was an easier finish. Yeah. This is just, I mean, there's some incredible attacking talent on this team. Mm-hmm. Ludovic Bloss was uh, Ren's or Nantes' best player last year, moved over to mm-hmm. Ren to stay in European competition, mm-hmm. and he picked up right where he left off. I mean, he looks great. Imagine like Amanya Matic. Yeah, <laughs> they just sent him on Imatic. That's such a weird pre- person to see on Ren. I just love, like, this is one yeah. of the most exciting teams in Europe. If you can watch Liga, which is hard in some places, mm-hmm. I highly recommend checking them out. And mm-hmm. the second half of the year, when they get Martin Terrier back on the left, mm-hmm. this is going to be a tough team to control. Yeah. And let me just read you out some of the youth on this team. Oh, dude, the back line. Go through the back line. Betrug Yildrim, who's Turkish, 21 years old, up front, scored the third goal. Mm-hmm. Um, missed a couple of chances earlier. His partner, Desiree Douay, 18 year old French forward. He looked really good today. I thought mm-hmm. he had actually some near goal contributions. You should read who uh, Yildrum came off in the 70th minute for a 23 year old, Amin Guirgi. Old. Who's 23 year old. Old. Yeah. Ancient. That's old. Yeah. That's old for them. Uh, Ibrahim Salah started on the left, 22. Blas is 25, so he's an old head. Yeah. Uh, oh, Salah, he came off for. Uh, Enzo Lefay and uh, Fabian Reeder. He came off the same time both of them came on. They're 23 and 21. Yeah. Yeah. Back line, right back, Asignon, 23. Uh, Warmed Omari, 23. Uh, Trufair on the left, 21. Teat, 23. And of course, the youngest player on the team, Steve Mandanda, 38 year old. <laughs> how does it, how does this kid, he's like the, he's like the new uh, um, Pepe, Pepe Reina. Yeah. <laughs> he's like he's the just, French Pepe Reina, who also, there. by the way, Pepe Reina also played today on Thursday in Europe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we should also mention they brought on 17-year-old Matisse Lambourg. Incredible. At the 83rd minute, who's so young that most sites don't even have his position listed down yet. 
but he came on for Ludovic Boss and played a similar role. Sure. So I assume yeah. he's a right winger. And speaking of Pepe Reina, he played. He also played in this group on Thursday yeah. uh, in a 2-0 defeat in Greece to Panathinaikos um, for Villarreal. 41 years 41, old. Jesus Christ. That's as old as Claudio Bravo. Yeah. Um, Panathinaikos actually kind of ran all over Villarreal. Mm-hmm. They didn't have, like, a huge number of big chances or anything, but I'd say 2-0 was just about right um, over the former Europa League winners, um, Villarreal. Uh, a little bit uh, concerning performance from Villarreal here. They didn't manage many chances. Um, they were pretty tepid in most phases of the game. And I don't really know what else to say other than maybe a few alarm bells. It's one thing. It's a, your first performance away from home. Mm-hmm. But there are some worrying signs in the league as well. Um, and neither of us are that big of a fan of. Yeah, we, of, I do want to point out they did also play with primarily a B squad. Sure. Um, Just to you know, give some breaks to the Villarreal doom. But yeah, like you mentioned, I neither of us were high on them coming into the season. Just I was a little higher on them than this. But... Yeah, they, we expected them to pretty easily get out of this group. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is very concerning. I thought this back line, which again, not their typical starting back line, but Mattia Gabbia is projected to be one of the starters then, and he was awful. I, he was really, really slow on both the goals. He struggled getting over to do anything. He's dragged out of position constantly. And part of that was because Mondi was also just awful. I don't think he's expected to be a starter most games, so I won't like harp on him as much, but yeah, this was rough. Their strikers combined for two total shots. He's on loan. You, did you, or did Gabbia, you yeah, him? we loaned him. Yeah, you don't like Gabbia, dude. I do like Gavia oh, long. Yeah. Like, he's still pretty young. He's 23, yeah. right? He's a center back. He was supposed to be Milan's fifth center back mm-hmm. behind here. And it's so he was loaned out to get playing time. And if this is what he's going to be doing at Villarreal, maybe they need to address that again in yeah. winter. Yeah. And Panathinaikos were for sure worthy winners. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say they're, they're, they're forward up top. Uh, Unitas had a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. He's a promising young Greek. Oh yeah, um, he's only yeah, he's only 23. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it could have been more. I mean, the XG won't tell you that it was as dominant as it was, but I think it could have been three or maybe, oh, like they had yeah, I think they had two chances go off the post. Yeah, um, they looked some they they looked like a substantially better team than Villarreal. They did. It was pretty comprehensive, really good crowd. And you know, they're perfect in the league so far, too. Three for three. Yeah. Also like this uh, um Gizda. Mm-hmm. player i struggle pronouncing his name but he was just if you go back and watch it with commentary on that that commentator had to say his name so much and i felt for like nesda nesda yeah well, probably the commentator had to say his name G-Silent. all the time uh, yeah. he was everywhere he looked like a really influential player so keep an eye out for him later in the group stage yeah a little bit of the real put on notice a little bit here it's not gonna be so easy to get out of the group now no uh group g group g sheriff won to Roma, uh, not really a place you want to go play ever. The sher- sheriff are pretty uh pretty difficult to beat in these competitions. Um, at home, um, even if they don't always play scintillating football, that was the case here. This was a really ugly game. I, it was really hard, like not. If you watch this whole thing start to finish as a neutral, I'm sorry. Yeah, this was not a fun game to watch. The first two goals, um, the first a really ugly lucky own goal. <laughs> For that 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 uh, put Roma ahead, and then a really ugly scrappy goal off another corner, uh, got Sheriff level. 
And the only bit of quality in the entire game was oh, that, Lukaku's winner. That was a great bit of quality. Really though. good. I mean, Roma played like they had no idea what to do with the ball for most of it. And then all of a sudden they went full like tiki taka for five seconds and yeah. won them the game. And it was obviously like, as I think we all expect when Roma come on or yeah. when Roma play, it was the ball who was the key player in that passageway. Uh-huh. He brings the ball forward. He lays it off to Cristante, who gives it back to the ball. It goes back to Cristante. Back he'll flick. Back he'll flick. Into Lukaku, who takes Lukaku. a couple of touches, cuts in left. Which, in classic Lukaku form, calmly. looked like he was going to lose the ball yeah. on both touches. Yeah. It was really lumbering. But, but it was a really lovely goal, and it was literally the only difference in the game. <laughs> yeah. I do uh, I do want to give one a sad shout-out to Renato Sanchez, who only lasted 27 minutes. And then but... Jose basically shattered him after. For... It was like, I don't understand how he's always... Yeah, he was like, he's a good player, but but like, how is he always hurt? He was like, like, it's like not he possible. played 70 minutes over the weekend and now he can only play 27. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. what's up? <laughs> it was classic Jose. Um, and then he Jose's the other. I thought Jose really it was exactly what Roman needed. He made a triple sub in the 61st, and it was first, and it was all three players on the left-hand side. Spinazzola, OR, and El Sharaway came off for Dabala, Spinazzola, and uh Bove. I thought that was everything Roman needed, and they controlled the game after that. Yeah, so, it was this game was like watching a uh, watching like a bat that's swinging against the trunk of a tree. Over that's and the over thing again. about Roma is if you watch the whole game, you're gonna leave saying, "Wow, this team is terrible. This, <laughs> yeah. this game sucked. I hated this." But if you watch the highlights, you're like, "Wow, this is an exciting, yeah. it, amazing team." Because they have they're these not, like I don't like watching them. They have but... these little quick moments of just exceptional quality, mm-hmm. and then it's like 80 minutes of just chopping at people and falling down. Another game I didn't find very exciting was Servet nil to Slavia Prague. Mm-hmm. Uh, Prague has put themselves in, you know, good position, um, winning where they needed to away from home. Servet looking like, as we might have figured, the weakest team in the group. Although maybe they could, they and Sheriff might have something to say about that. But I think Sheriff is probably a tougher place to go play. Sheriff is a tough place to go play. Servet did not look very good. And this is a pretty strong squad from them. So I was yeah. a little surprised that they offered almost nothing the entire game. Yeah, so they're looking like favorites, early favorites to be bottom of the group. Slavia did what they needed to. That's really all I have to say about that. Yep, uh, Slavia, both Slavia's goals came from center backs, which mm. is just like, which probably shouldn't be the case. So Servet need to pick it up. <laughs> uh, match week two, Roma, they host Servet and Slavia host Sheriff. If the two home teams win, group might be over. Yeah. All right, group H, uh, Leverkusen took care of uh, Swedish champions uh, Hekian. Hekin? 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 I think it's Hekin. Hekin. I thought it was Hacken. I think it's Hekin or something yeah. similar. They could have done with a little Forgive more. Me. Could have done with a little more Hacken. For, yeah. Oh, oh, so true. Forgive me, uh, Swedes, because Leverkusen beat the shit out of them 4 0. Mm-hmm. And uh, go, watch, go watch the first goal. It is gorgeous. Gorgeous. Both and Verts connected gorgeous. really well. Verts with a little chip over the keeper. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Adley made it two just six minutes later and it looked like it might really open up uh, for. Hekian, but uh, they managed to escape only conceding four times, yeah. which was probably as, you know, as, as good as good. they could have done. I mean, they had a few chances here and there. They could have definitely, they, they were good for maybe a goal, but mm-hmm. uh, Leverkusen looked like they could score and score and score all day. This Leverkusen uh, team is so good right now. Yeah. I, they're so fun to watch. Interesting that Xavi so Alonso didn't rotate all that much. Like, he, he started mostly his strongest. I mean, they, they changed shape a little bit. Mm-hmm. Over the the weekend prior against Bayern, they played. Or it was Friday a game, I guess. 
right. they actually had a decent amount of rest coming into this. Yeah, that probably why they had something to, to do with it. Their starters. But they went, they they have been going like a 3-4-3. Three, three. Mm-hmm. It seems like they went a little more 4-4-2. Four, four, I but it probably ended up being a three shade. Yeah, their back line definitely shifted into a back five most of the time yeah. when Tella would track back, but yeah. he was so far forward most of the game. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, they started a very strong squad with Boniface Adley, Palacios, Shaka, Burtz, uh, Grimald. They started a lot of their starters. Um, everybody yeah. other than like Jonas Hoffman and Hinkapie and Frimpong. Um, yeah, I think in play, this looked more like their traditional thing. It's just yeah. the players are slightly, it was yeah. definitely slightly adjusted. Interesting. From he seemed to go with a cupkeeper route. He started Matej Kovar in goal um, instead of, instead of uh, what's his name? Rudeski. Yeah, Rudeski. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but that was uh you know. Yeah, that was a pretty dominant performance. Pretty dominant. Uh, Expectedly so. I don't know if we learned anything about them that we didn't already know. But I'll I I just want to watch Bayer Leverkusen get drawn against Red. Yeah. yeah. That would be I know a wet dream for you. Absolutely. Those are my two favorite like teams say. to watch. Right I want to give us a little another pat on the back for this, even though we've done it like six times already this season. Victor Bonifaz. Yes. Yeah. Weren't we saying all last year, whoever buys this guy will have an absolute bargain? And Why did nobody else buy this guy? I know. I tried to manifest Milan into buying this guy so much. I created a little yeah. shrine in my room. What, I sacrificed the goat. What did I think it was about 20 million? Dude. I mean, that's pretty good money for Central Oz, but yeah. my God. I mean, I feel like we we all we harped on last season was somebody should buy Bonifaz. Somebody should, should buy, buy you Milan still should have bought Bonifaz. He would have been great there. Yeah. You need a Giroud replacement, but this yeah. isn't a Milan. 20.5. That's a fucking million. bargain, dude. That's yeah. one of that's one of the transfers of the summer for sure. And it was one that we'd seen coming too. So I think both of us had this is before the podcast, but I think both of us had separately texted each other about him when he was at Bodo Glint as well. Yeah. And watched him play in Europe. Like it was entirely predictable. I don't understand how some teams don't find these guys. <laughs> yeah. He was pretty obvious. He wasn't he wasn't like dug out of the rough. He was yeah. He was there in plain sight for everyone to see performing yeah. at a high level in European competition. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody went for him, and that's on them. Uh, elsewhere, Karabag uh, beat Molda 1-0 at home um, and another pretty comprehensive performance. They might feel disappointed they didn't win by three or yeah. so because they had all the chances in this game, um, and it was like sort of beating their head into the wall over and over again. I think they hit the post a couple of times. I think yeah, they, it just wasn't, it wasn't happening for them. But They, they finally they squeezed one over the line. Um, and what matters is the three points. Yeah. And if we're highlighting other good players, I mean, just like this Andrade guy on them, mm-hmm. their team from, he's from Cape Verde. But he, he looks, looks fun. Yeah. He looks like he's developed into a really good player. We saw it last year a little bit, but he looked a step up from last year. He's still 24. Uh, somebody should be looking at him. I don't think he's not a Boniface. Like he's playing in the Azerbaijanian league, not the Belgian league. So there's a big difference there. But he looked like a key player for them and definitely could be the reason they qualified. How do you think you pronounce the left back's name? Uh, Jafar Kiliev. Jafar Kiliev? Azerbaijani. Young player. Looks good. Uh, 22. Yeah. I just assume everyone Not on this many... team is 30 until yeah. the many. There's actually only, I think, two Azerbaijanis in the starting lineup, maybe. Mm-hmm. That's a bit surprising. Um, oh, I think uh, Andrade's brother might also be on the team because uh, the guy Patrick, who was subbed on, mm-hmm. 
Bot Mob lists him as Patrick Andrade, and he's also Cape Verdean. So that's oh, yeah. fun. You got Cape Verdean brothers. brothers on the team. They have brothers? Except one of them is six years older than the other. Yeah, one of them the one off the looks bench a little better. Yeah. Also, uh, I don't want to make too much fun of anybody for how they look, but if you uh, look at their oh. sub uh, on the bench, center back Badavi Kuznayov looks a little bit Amish. <laughs> Dude, they that's like a thing in um whatever like the smaller sector cultural thing is going on in like the Caucasus region. It's less so the beard and more the hair for me, but yeah, but the combination of the two. Yeah. I just, I remember watching Khabib Nurmagomedov have that kind uh, of facial hair and hair combination. And now it terrifies me because that guy is the best fighter of all time. Oh man. All right. I think we'll take a quick commercial break as do, we do, uh, do, head into the conference do, league. Do, do. Cause it's serious. It's dinner time. It's and I'm going to go feed my dog. Awesome. All right, now that we're back from our totally legit break, um, I want to do our new segment that I've just come up with called uh, the the Europa Champions League moment of the week. Okay. We don't talk about the Champions League on this podcast, but what we do need to talk about is our dear conference and Europa League friends, Union Berlin, very briefly, playing their first ever Champions League game, uh, showing up in force in Madrid and playing at the Bernabeu and just barely not getting and they'll know result that they might have deserved. So uh, just want to give a quick shout out to them and their fans, even though apparently the Madrid police was di- were dicks to them and made them 10 minutes late to the start of the game. Um, yeah. So yeah, credit to them. They had great videos of them. And that's it. That's my uh, that's my Europa Champions League moment of the week. Nice. What a lovely moment. All right, let's go to the conference league where we belong. Um, why don't we start in Group A? Where? Legal. Started off the uh, their campaign a day before everybody else, uh, beating uh, Olympia Ljubljana just 2-0. Uh, they only sealed it with a late 94th minute second, um, mostly because Jonathan David missed like a hat trick of wide open headers in the middle of the box mm-hmm. in the first half before uh, getting the go-ahead goal soon thereafter with a penalty. Um, David was the player of the match. Let's go. I didn't know I got that award, but <laughs> did not deserve it in my opinion <laughs> because he had some of the worst misses of the of the of the match today. Yeah. Um I and think sometimes they just give it really embarrassing ones. Sometimes they just give it to the most famous player. Yeah, he had just the winning like, goal, so I guess, but like man, did he miss some big chances in the first half? Yeah. Like so bad. Uh Lille should have won by more. They only win 2-0, but whatever. Yeah, I do think to an extent though that shouldn't fuck around though. Olympia had, they need to be more decisive and like go for goal. There were a couple times where they hit them on the counter and they looked like they were set up to get a good shot off or like a decent attempt, like maybe not a great chance, but at least a half chance. Mm -hmm. And then they would cycle it back. Like if you're the underdog and you're having to counter to get anything, you got to take the shots, put some pressure on them. You never know. Don't work ball into box. Yeah. Maybe they'll meet on site. Shoot on site. Yeah. Maybe Leo's goalkeeper Chevalier, despite being really, really good would make a mistake but no olympia never put any pressure on him and i think that was a big reason why meanwhile i think almost everybody's favorite european story so far this yeah, season cared much more about in this group yeah he clocks Vic, they would travel to take on sloven bratislava in the first group stage match for any faroese team in european history Woo. and they scored first they sure did pavlovich right after halftime he found the back of the net. It's a great corner. 
Yeah, it was we, a it was a in swinger whipped in over the keeper's head mm-hmm. and balls in. Yeah, one of the few foreigners on the team, ironically enough, sell set him up for maybe a huge upset. Maybe they could get three points. Maybe they could go through. Slow and Bratislava tightened up. I mean, this is a team with a lot more experience in Europe. <laughs> Obviously, they were there last year. Say so, yeah. Yeah. Um, guys like Vladimir Weiss would score pretty quickly after the Pavlovich goal. And he's played for Olympiacos in the Champions League, right? Like, this is a team with guys who have played at very high level, and maybe they're not there anymore. But, yeah, I think that European experience kind of showed its head and allowed them to come back. Yeah, he actually had a huge chance to equalize in the last few minutes of the game, though, it was, it, where it's basically like if he if he put it anywhere else on the goal from about six yards yeah. out, it's a good but – the, but the keeper makes a huge save, Borean – um canadian international number one usually um makes a huge save diving across the the goal line um unfortunate for key they probably did enough to enough for a draw draw, yeah um but the good news for them is that you know if slovan on paper is the second best team in this competition or in this competition yeah (laughs) so slovan second best second favorites for the title uh if they're the second best in this group on paper then key just gave a really good account of themselves away at that at, at that ground so yeah. uh they got to take care of business at home and i think they can legitimately give themselves a chance to get out of this group maybe uh group b uh saw another debutante um, we should say as well key they get to host uh, a group stage game yeah next yeah, yeah. week against the Lille. yeah so that'll, that'll be, be a fun one, one. but they'll probably who... won't get any points from that yeah, it'll be interesting to see who from Lille travels yeah. it'll be difficult on pay, like to the look of them having zero points from two, mm-hmm. but you know, with two games against Ljubljana yeah, and uh, a home game against Bratislava, they have they have a chance. chance. They'll have to. They might have to win all three of those games. Yeah, but I think they will. Um. Yeah. Group B, another debutante, Ray the Blick, uh, went as far as they could possibly go <laughs> to Tel Aviv to play yeah. Maccabi Tel Aviv. Um. This was a bit of a chaotic one. Uh. Ray the Blick looked like they were going to get blown out eight nil. Uh. Thirty two minutes in after Tel Aviv went up 3-0 um, in such a short amount of time, looking totally, uh, like, totally disorganized and a bit of a mess. And, like, they didn't have the quality to compete. But then, a double on either end of half from Clement Olsen. Uh, you know where, he, do you know where he's from? Clement? Oh, he's Faroese. Yeah, he's yeah, Faroese. Yeah. I think he's that's Faroese. kind of fun. Isn't that fun? Uh, he drew him back to 3-2 by the 55th minute and made things very interesting indeed. Um, but they never quite found that equalizer, I would say. But they, you know, after the point where they went down, they played a fairly even game, actually. Um, so there's hope for them yet. Um, they didn't embarrass themselves for sure. They just, uh, you know, it's tough when you fly however many thousands of miles it is um, from Iceland to Tel Aviv. Um, it was always going to be tough um, for a team of their size and stature to uh, perform right out of the gate following that they needed a little time to wake up but um it cost them yeah anyway they'll they still might be competitive in this group the other game uh zoya luhansk and ghent played to a 1-1 draw um i think in the highlight package that i watched there were uh more yellow cards and actual attempts yeah this um, was a rough game to watch. <laughs> this was not a great game of football um, I think Luhansk will be pretty pretty pleased with themselves for for getting a result in this, um, especially because um, 
you know, they're playing in Poland in front of no fans. Yeah, you know what the team. official attendance was listed oh, as? Oh, God, what? 539. Oh, oh. It looked like more than that mm-hmm. on the highlights. And that's what yeah. I just saw that number. And I had to go back and like relook at the highlights. That's to say, brutal. Like, Is there really that few people there? That's brutal. But yeah, yeah. that's rough. Um, you got to love the Conference League away, away support. There were some really good ones. Uh, <laughs> Bray the Blick had like 30 fans there. Yeah. Uh, my favorite one was Norchaland, which we'll get to later. But yeah. Um, yeah, they're, uh, this wasn't a great game. <laughs> Gens should still be the strongest team in the group. This wasn't the, this wasn't the one to watch though. No. Uh, moving on to group C, we have Dinamo Zagreb. They were hosting Astana. And I think like we expected, Astana was going to struggle in the road games. Uh, sure. They very much did five one yeah from dinamo zagreb sort of when it rained it poured in this game a little bit it they yeah. astana held out until a just end of first half penalty mm-hmm. um but a second penalty in the 53rd started the onslaught um i actually thought that second penalty kind of sucked i thought that was like a shit yeah. call um yeah it was kind of soft first like, call was a little weird the second call was like first call was understandable second call i don't really understand giving that personally um so that was a little harsh on them but you know they 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 drew one back down three nil to three one but then it, it was never really close um yeah um uh, that last goal is well 93rd minute and it's like yeah. a rocket from way outside I yeah, mean, that one was, was kind of crazy that was a little was unfortunate tough. for astana to yeah. just have an extra negative on their goal difference mm-hmm. but we'll see they're a team that's totally different at home versus on the road when it comes to european fixtures so mm-hmm. we'll have to see if they can uh tough place rebound, to go but the other game in this group was Victoria Pilsen and Balkani and Pilsen. They just barely took care of business, took till the 73rd minute for them to find their winner from Kalvach. And uh, do you see anything from Balkani weird, in this game? Weird statistical game in that like Balkani, we know, can like hunker down and defend mm-hmm. and make life difficult for you, which they did. But they actually had more of the ball. Yeah, was that weird? They had yeah. more possession than Pilsen. I was not expecting that. And, I would like uh, to see they managed two total shots. I wish in more traditional stat packages, right, that you don't have to like pay for. Sure. You could see the like, percentage of ball in areas of the field. So like, oh yeah, yeah went sure, in sure, sure. the middle third versus the. You want to see the pass map and the yeah and I, the I really because and the zone ter- zonal territory. Yeah, I think Balkani, yeah. and I just want confirmation of this, mm-hmm. right? Because from what I saw of Balkani, is it's like they kept the ball just like around the back line. Yeah, I that just, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. it and Pilsen gonna just wasn't to, gonna press them. No, and I yeah. think when you're playing a team like Balkani, who is just comfortable and they trust their defensive line to make those passes or to you know incorporate the midfield there as well, mm-hmm. you gotta press. Yeah, you have to step up. Well, I think that's probably do that. counts for. I mean, Pilsen were worthy winners, but didn't exactly create a ton themselves. You know, they had. I don't think they had more than. One or two big chances. Well, two shots on target and they hit the post. But, you know, 0.5 XG basically. Um, not much doing. Partially just because, you know, when you're the better team like that, you expect them to see with them with like 70% of the ball, 65% of the ball. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, they, I guess it was a way for Balkani to sort of play active defense and kill the game a little bit. Of course, mm-hmm. they only ended up with two shots, as we said. So, um, and it wasn't like there were a ton of passes anyway in this game. Like, Balkani had like 360 passes, which isn't a ton for 53. There just weren't that many passes in the game. Yeah. It was slow. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, Balkani will feel okay about that, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Group D, 
Club Brugge won. Besiktas won. Hmm. Club Brugge will be kicking themselves for this one. I'm because kicking them too. They cool. <laughs> they created no a whole lot of chances and just couldn't score more than a goal. They thought they'd found the winner though in the 77th before a really shitty <laughs> like uh bounce uh put Tosin through on goal. Um it was super fortunate for Besiktas and they didn't really do much to deserve that. Pretty much their only big chance in the game. Uh, but it was a big enough chance to account for half of their more than half of their XG total today. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, oh, they're actually two of their chances I think accounted for almost all of their XG. <laughs> um, they weren't great, and if you look at like the shots map, it's just like Bruga was taking shots from good positions too. They weren't like all ripping from distance. Yeah, I was gonna. There's a lot of stuff in the box, mm-hmm. and they just could not find the way through. Feel like that. I'm pretty sure they hit the post. Yeah, Tiago Rodriguez or Rodriguez. They hit the post had a twice. Bad, bad miss. Yeah, uh, they had a chance in the very end of the game too. Ninety fourth minute. Yeah, I remember who it was. Um, Onyadika. Mm. But when I mean, it's a great shot, but yeah, an incredible save from uh, Gunuk as well keeps Besiktas in this. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Again, said two two posts. Um. This is one they'll want back. I think you you want to win their home games in this group, and uh, they, I think they wanted to establish themselves too as the best team in the group, which they might have anyway. Yeah, um, I think they are the best team in this group, but they, this they is it. a tough group. There, this yeah. is one of the you can't few take anything for granted in the conference league where every game is yeah pretty like pretty competitive. Yeah. All four teams are really solid. No game you can take for granted. Having to go to Bodoglint or Lugano, yeah, that's going to be tough for Bruca, yeah. and this uh, is drop points. Yeah. Photo Glimpt went to Logano and drew nil-nil. Mm-hmm. Um, and another pretty even affair, I'd say. Um, you know, somebody could have grabbed a winner here, but a draw is probably a fair result. Yeah. Uh, I do photo Glimpt again. It feels like they really only have one tactic offensively, and that's to get the ball to Pellegrino. And when they can't do that, they just stop. Like there's no attack to the team except going to Pellegrino. And I think they really need to consider a revamp of the squad. Yeah, this isn't really the uh, dynamic squad. Remember from like a year and a half ago that was mm-hmm. challenging all comers and beating Roma like three times. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're they're a little dull. And Newton's still there. So you, it's a little shocking how simplistic they look tactically because you've seen them with this manager yeah. have great game plans, but... Maybe they just don't have the squad for it. Right yeah, now. hopefully something's around the corner for them as yeah. well, though. But Well, two draws, all the play for in Group D. Mm-hmm. Group E, speaking of uh, speaking of no gimme games, yeah, uh, we had two absolute shockers. Probably the two biggest surprises of the tournament so far. I, yeah. Definitely. Um, starting with Legia Warsaw beating Aston Villa on their return in Europe and for you know the first time in 11 years. It was 11 years? Yeah. I think it's 11 years. Uh, 3-2 is the score to Warsaw, um, and this was a goal fest in the first half. Four mm-hmm. goals crossed uh, their respective goal lines, uh, including a, a third-minute uh, go-ahead for Legia. That was Slolek. Slolek? Slolek? Is that how you say his name? Uh, hard, man. Pavel... Slozhek? Slozhek? I think Slozhek. Yeah, Polish yeah. is kind of hard, isn't it? It is. It's really hard, especially from our brands. I mean, they... Our brands, yeah. You should, you'd should. think I'd be better at it growing up in Chicago, but yeah. I would not. 
Um, yeah, they're yeah, but basically Aston Villa seem to forget how to defend mm-hmm. like in transition and crosses. Yeah. <laughs> they just like stopped marking people. Um, that opening goal was actually a really nice ball. Um from uh from uh Patrick Kuhn is his name. Mm-hmm. Um really good ball whipping around from like the half space uh n- towards the end line, like around uh I think it's Lucadinha who's at fault for not following the runner. I agree. Um yeah. Uh, but you know the kid, the the guy brought in to uh back up, um, what's his name? Uh, the right back. No, I was I'm talking about John Duran. Oh, Ollie Watkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Ollie Watkins. I thought Duran uh, looked really good in this game. Duran looked promising in the league too, off the bench too. Yeah, he 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 scored quickly. He responded, mm-hmm. but uh, a Mucci double uh sends Villa to defeat in 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 this difficult away atmosphere. Um. I will say Villa looked uh, pretty shaky in defense the whole game. They really didn't. I don't think they took defending seriously today. No. Um, and of course, they could have scored more than they did, too. They had plenty of chances, blah, blah, blah. But you can't really concede three goals, um, even if you're away from home as a favorite in a group. I thought it was pretty a fairly naive and uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I I'm sorry, my face looks really shocked right now because I just found out Callum Chambers is 28. <laughs> yeah, because um, he played like a 19 year old. He played like a kid on his debut. It was yeah. There was a bit of there was a bit of that. Digne got really lucky. He scored. Otherwise, his like match rating on all those sites would have been like a five. <laughs> I he was awful yeah. in defense today. They started way too good of a team for that to happen though. Mm-hmm. Like they had Captain McGinn. Starting Yuri Tielemans is an experienced Europa League player. Mm-hmm. He got his, I think this was his first start for the club. Bubakar Kamara is a regular starter for them. They started Zaniolo. Who's won this competition before. Yeah, I mean, they, they, and, you know, Kanza and Longley is not a bad back too. Yeah, this was Longley's debut, I believe. Yeah. For, for Villa. fine on yeah. Spurs last year. So like. He, I thought he was rough today, but again, but yeah. it's a debut. It's a tough debut Kanza didn't have a good game, but nobody really played, nobody really in the back like six really played very well i thought one of the big Uh, issues for aston villa as well was like there was always a gap between each of their segments mm -hmm. right you had the front three of uh, leon bailey duran and zaniolo you had your midfield three and then you had your back four and it Mm -hmm. felt like they were all individual units that did not have any like there was no puzzle piece connecting the units Uh, i felt very isolated each of those groups and legia legia were able to attack those spaces uh and just also on the counter team Dinier and Constant Lele and Chambers is individually all I thought had poor games as well. Yeah, I wonder if this was maybe a little bit classic example of underestimating an opponent mm-hmm. on a European away day, but also probably I'm willing to put until I see more evidence to put this down to uh you know Villa's first attempt as a squad in this this era of uh of you know having a midweek game in another country, you know, like yeah. sometimes I was saw with Brighton. It was a little different with Brighton because I think Brighton mostly played their game and Villa didn't really. Um, but I think this is probably a good thing for them to be like, oh shit, yeah, these are real teams. <laughs> I was a little um, surprised that they didn't go with uh one Matty Cash who mm-hmm. represents Poland. I thought that would have been I know he's from England and so it's like a little weird, but I thought it would have been nice for him to get the start in his like the nation, country he, that he's not from. the nation he represents internationally yeah, whatever um and also pal torres i thought it would have been helpful to have a player who had been like in europe last year 
yeah, as guess, well, just there to guess, kind of yeah. I guess the most surprising thing is that that, but... that it was uh, that it's Unai Emery who's supposed to be amazing at these competitions. That's yeah. probably the most surprising thing. You think yeah. if anyone would have a team who's not used to being here ready for it, it would be Villa. But uh, like yeah, uh, full credit to them for taking their chances and they just given themselves a really good chance to compete in this group, mm-hmm. especially because Az Alkmaar. Oh, sorry. What? Before we go on, also the Legia fans were incredible. Oh yeah, that was a They're great crazy atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, especially because Az Alkmaar went and had and lost to debutants Zrinski Mostar <laughs> of the Bur- Bosnia and Herzegovina league. Uh, and worse than that, they went up three nil by halftime and then lost four three by the end of ninety. <laughs> uh, never good to score four consecutive goals, no matter the situation. Uh, especially not when you're leading three nil away um, to a team who's never played in European competition group stage before. Um, and who frankly looked completely out of their depth in the first half. AZ were all over them. Uh, it looked like it could have been more than three by halftime. They had full control of the game. Trinsky players were looking at each other like, what the fuck? You're supposed to mark him. Um, one thing I loved about this game was we're talking about this, the stadium. Mm-hmm. Um Really fun stadium. It has only one, only one side has a stand. Yeah, I think the crowd was like maybe nine thousand, so it wasn't like nobody was there. Mm-hmm. People showed up. It's, yeah, there's no, only it's one decent. stand. Yeah, and, uh, so three sides. There's no stand. They had to put up a little banner mm-hmm. that shields the <laughs> for the TVs that say Conference League. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then it's not. It, what was weird about this comeback is that it wasn't even like it didn't even start like wow. Zrinski came out of the gate like attacking. They scored some really strange goals. Mm-hmm. The first was, I think you'd have to say a little bit of a mistake from from uh, Australian international Matthew Ryan. Yeah, he doesn't line. I think he just lines up. Yeah, so it's a free kick for... from you know the 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 left side of the box. Kind of kind of waves out of the box. Mm-hmm. He lines up. Yeah, Matt Ryan lines up too close, trying to you know hoping to maybe claim across centrally, but instead, uh, it's a really cheeky, cheeky free kick. Um, from somebody who came on at halftime, the Bosnian Kozul. At least that's how that's how our broadcast That's how our broadcast He scored a double, so this is gonna be a problem again. Yeah. Uh, but he snuck one in on the near post. It was a, a smart free kick and well executed. But yeah. Matt Ryan shouldn't really be caught out there. Mm-hmm. But it's like whatever. It's three one. They haven't really had any chances. And then in the 68th minute, with the game still comfortably. Uh, in in hand for Alkmaar, uh, Korluka puts in a heaving cross from the right side that flies over Matt Ryan's glove and in. Never was, would that was one hundred percent a shot. It was not a shot. <laughs> it was definitely not it a shot. Such a cross, and I don't know if this is just really unfortunate or if Matt Ryan should also do better here. I think kind of feel well, like he I, should. I feel like I can give him a break because I don't think it's you give him a break for one of those two, but both yeah, of them, both of them. You're like yeah. that's yeah. Uh, so anyway, three two. Uh, with 25 minutes to go, um, and then AZ start to fall apart a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, they let Ranovic get through uh, to finish a nice uh, a nice attempt to level the score, and the fans can't believe it. Players can't believe it. They're all hugging and shit. Mm-hmm. They're <laughs> playing to the crowd. Uh, it looks like they've just completed a really lovely draw comeback. Um, and then they score again, <laughs> and shirts are coming off. And the fans are going wild, and Alkmaar can't believe it. They, for some reason, the TV broadcast kept cutting to uh, an Aaron Judge at that. <laughs> really, that's not a problem for you. 
It, it every time I watch college football, they cut to an Aaron Judge. Oh, really? Game. I don't understand. I feel like that Brad kept for both the third and fourth Strinsky goals. It kept cutting to Ruben Van Bommel, the poor nineteen-year-old who came yeah. off the bench. I was like, why do you keep showing this guy? What did he yeah. do? I swear, both times they cut to him like forlornly walking to oh. the halfway line. I was like, what are you doing? Uh, but this was pretty awesome. This is one of the fun things about this competition is seeing a debutante yeah. club have a success and a comeback like this. Um, this then, would have been a lead story for any team to come back down 3-0 to win 4-3, but for Zvizrinski, it was really cool. Yeah, and you were talking about the last goal. I just want to – Matt Ryan got chipped by um, Melissa – or, yeah, it was Melissinich who mm. gets the three pass. He chips Matt Ryan and goes off the post. Yeah. But no OZ players around for miles. For it miles. looked like they were at another stadium. Yeah. Because, I mean, because – Kozols just comes in and just taps it in. Like it was. I uh, yeah. I don't think Alkmaar could quite believe that this had all happened. Like they didn't. They just kind of stopped having big chances too. Mm-hmm. Like at a certain point, and that they they just didn't seem like they were after after like the fiftieth, fifty fifth minute. It just didn't seem like they were going to score again. Uh, yeah. Even though they had the ball, the ball, and et cetera. They anyway. But it was the weirdest game. Like they. Because they they shouldn't have conceded four goals. Like two of those goals shouldn't go in, and then, you know, maybe yeah. So they're they're fortunate. I mean, they don't even have an XG of one in the game. You know, it's like it's yeah. ne- which it I, never happens that way again. And it's, I was shocked. One of them wasn't even a shot. <laughs> I was shocked they didn't have an XG of one because I thought that last goal would have a XG of just one mm. in general. Yeah, sure. I was like that was yeah. super easy. Uh, but yeah, but uh, just to add more context, to this as well. You said. Zrinski had never won a group stage game before. Mm-hmm. Then played. Then played a group stage. No game Bosnian before. team had played a group stage game before. This yeah. was a debutant country as well. Yeah. And they, I mean, right before halftime, the broadcast I was listening to, the announcer said, "When Azed scored their third, that feels like game over before mm-hmm. halftime." Unfortunately, yeah, it did. Yeah, he seemed a little talk, forlorn. Kind of like, talking about Zrinski looked like they couldn't fucking compete. Yeah. Um, um and then so this is pretty embarrassing for at halftime dick avocat yeah who's uh, uh, famous for another jinx of his when he said there's no way sweden will win eight nothing against luxembourg and then they did in the dutch missed the world cup because of that um he said it is incomprehensible that such teams are allowed to play in european football oh dear shut <laughs> <laughs> it Shut up, dude. Wait till the game's over before you say yeah. it. Uh, but this is this, pretty it's pretty embarrassing for AZ. Yeah. Uh, this, this game will go down, in, gets. go down in history. The really most, awesome. The most star miracle. Yeah. We'll choose to the most star miracle. We'll choose to think of it that way. AZ might have a different feeling. <laughs> um especially because three of uh you know, XG isn't everything, as we know. But the first three Zrinsky goals amounted to 0.1 XG. <laughs> so <laughs> It probably doesn't happen again in a million years, but it's lovely that it did. And now this group is wide fucking open. Wide open. Three groups to go. Let's move to group F, where Ferenc took care of Kukuriki pretty comfortably through 3-1. Do you have anything interesting to say about this one? Uh, the Ferenc Baros-Kukuriki game? Yeah, it's okay. You can say no. <laughs> Not too much. There was uh, you know, one interesting moment in the 34th minute. I believe it's Ferenc Baro. I can't remember who was attacking, but um, there was a no penalty call. So Ferenc Baro could have made this worse. And I thought mm-hmm. that was a bad call because okay. uh, it's one of those where he gets the ball. But in order to get the ball, he like shoulders the guy in the face. <laughs> and I was sure. like, I get that he gets the ball, but it's still a penalty. One penalty at the end of the half wasn't enough for you? No. All right. Well, um, 
But yeah, second half was all Frank Baros. Um, and I think you need to throw some credit to Wusu, who uh, we don't do a conference league team of the week. Mm-hmm. But if we did, I think he would have been one of the first names I put down on that list. He was exceptional for Frank Baros. The more exciting game in this group was Gank 2, Fiorentina 2. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a game that flip-flopped back and forth. It could have gone either way in the end. Eventually, probably just about right with a draw. Um, goals from Zakiri, who we saw um, popping up for Basel in their deep conference league run last year. Uh, a double for Ranieri, um, which is interesting. <laughs> it's really interesting. <laughs> uh, it's his first, he got his first European goal uh, with his first goal, and then he added a second right after it. So. Why the fuck not, yeah. you know? Uh yeah, both from set pieces slash corners. Um, and then US International motherfucking Mark McKenzie heads in the equalizer in the 85th minute. And then should be noted, Gent very nearly won the game in the la- in the final moments. Mm-hmm. Um they with uh guess what? A Nigerian striker, Tula uh Toluwalase Arokadare comes out with the bench and hitting the post. Mm. The inside of the post. And it rolls like, it nearly rolls in. And you could see he was devastated. He wanted that moment really badly. Um, So Fiorentina kind of got off here a little bit. Yeah. Um, This was, yeah, I feel like this game was Mm kind of back and forth. Yeah. I thought Fiorentina were the better team for most of the game. But like you said, Genk had that. That's what I said for most of the game. Genk had, especially after uh, like the 80th minute, they were all over Fiorentina. They looked the most likely to break that tie toward the end of the game as well. Uh, Fiorentina defensively, though, both goals are just kind of a mess. Uh, The first goal, especially, Zakiri is one who scores. It bounces off like three Fiorentina players after a free kick, and you just have to clear that ball. Somebody has to just kick it. You can't just kick it. Just kick the ball. It can't be that hard. Yeah. Uh, But Zakiri, who was great for Basel last year, and I think he scored against Fiorentina as well last year. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Yeah. Uh, so he scored for. Remember, they were, they were the semi, he played them in the semifinals of yes. this competition. Yeah. So I, another one of those players that's like, you know, if you listen to the show routinely, you'll have heard us talk about quite often. He's mm-hmm. had another really good game. I think he's out. Where's he at? He's on loan from somewhere. I don't know. Where. Uh, it's a, I think it's a French team. Yeah, probably. But Fiorentina also should have made it 3 1 right before the Mark McKenzie goal. And Zola has a wide open net, but cannot get. Well, we didn't even get the tar- the header on target. Yeah, he? no, it goes way over. Blazes over. Yeah. I think he just times the jump wrong. He does. Um, um this uh, is I mean, it's the same problem. I feel like it, we're talking about Fiorentina with the same issue say yeah. last year, where this defensively, is why it's hard to call them like definitive favorites ever, because they yeah. just make things so fucking difficult. I know. Defensively, they can be a bit of a mess sometimes. And then offensively, like it's gotta get this striker thing figured out. This is <laughs> it's been like too many years. It's been since they sold Blaovich. They have not had a clinical striker. We call them the Chelsea of Italy, you know. Yeah. Except, uh, except they're a better team. They combined for one shot between their two strikers. Today. Oh my god! <laughs> and it was the Anzola miss, like yeah, which easily should have been a goal. Um, also Oliver Christensen, I believe that was his Fiorentina debut, at least in a, like high level competitive match. Yeah. So he didn't look exceptional, but you know, new backup goalkeeper in there. Uh, hopefully Lucas Beltran hits for Fiorentina. I want them to have a good. I wanted to point out also, in addition to Mark McKenzie scoring the, a great equalizer, uh, he had a uh, uh, missed shot in the 51st minute that missed the target. Uh, the shot type will tell you like whether it was your left foot, your head. 
Um, this missed shot of his was from other body parts. <laughs> so I just wanted to point that out. Yeah. I think that was a, was that one from a free kick where it just kind of like bounced around the box again? Probably. <laughs> I think Fiorentina just really struggled with free kicks. But we'll move on to group G. I scored a goal with other body parts in, in high school once. Yeah. It was like my navel. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, it was great. Chest bumped it in. We were down 4-1 or 4-0 or something I assume like you took your shirt off and ran and yeah. yelled at the away fans. Now, bitch. Yeah. Uh, move on to Group G, headlined by Frankfurt, who are at home to Aberdeen. And I think this was a really promising performance from Aberdeen. It was pretty unconvincing from Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't offer all that much going forward, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had all the ball, too. Aberdeen really sat back, did. really let Frankfurt. Aberdeen play. was like, fuck a ball. Yeah. Uh, fair enough we're used to playing against rangers and celtic where we can't get the ball anyway fair enough uh they you know they conceded only one non-penalty goal um and they scored a pretty decent decent one too really really nice piece of finishing um from pulvara on the on aberdeen's goal but uh yeah i think this is actually a good sign for them going forward like we theorized that how would be the team to watch going through second and that's probably still the case, but if Aberdeen can, you know, put in away performances like this, then they can try to really highlight those home fixtures and see what they can do. Yeah, I um, think the tricky. I didn't thing learn for, that much though, other than that. I was gonna say, I think the tricky thing for Aberdeen though is that Palk already played at HJK, yeah, and they got the win. Uh, yeah, but HJK should be the worst team. In the- they should be, but I just think going to HJK mm-hmm. is probably if you slip up there you're not getting out yeah. of this group um, yeah they might need a win there yeah um so it just puts a little more pressure now on aberdeen to yeah. make sure they get that result but... frankfurt has still looked like they're struggling with the with uh going forward after yeah. losing colomani today they drew freiburg nil nil so mm-hmm. um they haven't been offered they haven't been um particularly thrilling going forward to start the season without colomani um and as we said elsewhere hjk two three pauk um this was a bit of a weird game. It looked like Pauk got a late winner, um, what should have been the winner in the 81st minute, and then another goal in the 94th. To seal Only it. for HJK to score at 99th pen to make things a little interesting, but it was already pretty much long gone. Mm-hmm. HJK actually had some chances in this game, actually taking the lead in the first half. Yeah. Um, and I thought they played – they looked a lot better in the first half than the second. All the chances were one way in the second – the Pauks end of the net. Um, yeah, it's hard to adjust to that turf, you know? Yeah, it's a – and it, it gets cold playing in a country that doesn't exist. Finland. <laughs> so that's a place where, like, I don't – I need to double-check the fixture list, but Aberdeen go to HJK in, mm-hmm. on November 30th. Oh, that could be a bitch. That could be a tricky one. Could be a bitch. Uh, so keep your eye out for that. Aberdeen host HJK next week in uh, match week two. Must win for Aberdeen. Host Frankfurt. That'll be an interesting That's a, That could really tell you if Aberdeen have the work cut out for them, if Pauk get the win. Yeah, I could see Pauk um, actually getting a result in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but why don't we wrap it up then? Yeah, last group. In group H. Uh, let's actually start with Ludigretz 4 mm-hmm. for Spartak Trnava. Um, this was so you, uh, a crackdown. 4-0. Yeah. Sorry, you said 4 4. Oh, I thought you said 4 0. <laughs> no. Uh, it's my bad. This yeah, is absolute, this was this, this was is an absolute smackdown. Uh, Ludgrets look good. Spartak, not so much. No. That's my takeaway. And then the other game, yeah, I don't have much to add. <laughs> <laughs> it was so dominant. Um, 
Norschland, they went to Turkey to take on Fenerbahce, and we highlighted Norschland as maybe a potential like mm-hmm. bogey team in this, or mm-hmm. you know, but like a banana peel for a bigger team if they get out of this group. Still think they might be. I still think they might be, but Fenerbahce looked like a you know, favorite. They looked like a really, really strong team. Norseland learned some hard lessons today. I think mm-hmm. they, they, I mean, they want to play their they're one of those teams that want to play their the like nice expansive stuff mm-hmm. their way, um, and they encountered some issues, um, you know, with when in, in counterattacking situations with with players of high attacking quality mm-hmm. like Fenerbahce has. I think they were caught a few times. Um, and also just in the midfield. I thought Fenerbahce controlled this midfield really Fred, easily. Fred, Fred, Fred. Fred was great. Yeah. But just as a unit, they were dominant as a midfield group against Norseland and it looked like it could be one of the best midfield units in this competition. This could be tough to take Fenerbahce out of here. Yeah, and well, notably well, Norseland won the possession battle mm-hmm. and the act and the passes battle. They actually had a majority of their passes in their own half. So by or so Fenerbahce not coming out to press, um, only 130 completed passes in the in Fenerbahce's half. So they actually grew into the game in the second half. Um, mm-hmm. after they went down three 0 and finally started look like they're putting the pieces together. Yeah. Um, scored a concession goal. Um, but I think for Norseland we'll have to see if they learned anything from playing one of the favorites in this tournament. Um, in a difficult atmosphere, Fenerbahce is a tough place to go for your first. Uh. Away. Your first uh, UA European day on the decade. Um, you know, Norseland was actually last in Europe in the Champions League, like about eleven years ago or so. That's an interesting. Yeah, fun fact. I think they were in a group. They said they were in a group with Chelsea, hmm. uh, uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, Donetsk, and maybe Juventus, something yeah. like that. Okay. Um, but they haven't been in Europe since. Okay. So, uh, this was you know, take a take the loss on the chin, and I'd be interested to see how they look. Um. Yep. In their next fixture. Yeah, they got a grand total of one point, which was a home draw against Juventus. They get a home game against Ludogorets. They got to win that one oh, if they yeah. want to be second in the group. Yeah, must win for them. All right. Uh, Moving on to our winners their, and losers to, groups, to wrap it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, good results this week for the French. French. Shockingly, we talked about them maybe. French should... never have a good week. I know. They had a really good week. <laughs> it's a little surprise. Lille won. Although, I mean, a lot of these are good results with the caveat of they should have been should good have results. Ren Ren were dominant. Lille won pretty easily. Marseille with a road draw. Like a road point. Yeah. yeah I think Pretend that's like it. you didn't watch what the game looked like. Yeah. But if you just look at an isolation of the results. Right, Marseille probably should have won that game in the end, too. They had the late chances to win that game. So, mm-hmm. yep. And uh, just in the Champions League, PSG mm-hmm. really good. So, yeah, yeah. fair. Um, other winners, we have Bosnia. First ever group stage game for Bosnia. And they went. That was a win to begin. That, with. that was yeah. They doubled down on that win. Yeah. Um. Also, you know, light winners for Iceland and uh, the Faroe Islands who mm-hmm. just performances in yeah. their first for just existing. Yeah. And then Czechia, they went three for three. Woo! Good for them. Our losers. Wait, wait, wait! wait. You forgot about oh. Greece. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. I thought that was so Greece. Greece. Yeah. Obvious. Greece. I've been harping on the Greeks all tournament so far. I thought it was just so obvious. The that Greeks we have made a return. Panathinaikos got the big win. Pauk got a win. AEK uh, got a big AEK upset got a win. huge upset win. The Greeks were the absolute number one winners. And Olympiakos lost, but they looked very competitive. Yeah, they should have won that game. Yeah, probably. Or maybe just um, a point, but yeah. yeah. Very, very competitive against one of the favorites in the group. Yeah. Um, and then our losers, Serbians, three times this week, Serbian teams took a 1-0 lead. 
All of them lost. Name them. Go. Three to one. Red Star scored first against Man City. They lost three one. TSC scored first against West Ham. That's the Champions League. I know. I'm just, I was in yeah. overall. TSC, they took a one goal lead against West Ham. They lost three one. And Kukuriki scored first against Baron Barosh, and they lost three one. Tough because they should all lose those games comfortable. <laughs> yeah, but then they all took a lead. Yeah, yeah. And the Serbians have only won one game in Europe so far this season. That's tough. They lost 12. They include qualifiers. Yeah. That's really tough. 12. That's really tough. Um, they have one total coefficient point so far. Oof. And 0.8 of that came from Red Star automatically qualifying. Less the than Champions the Faroe Islands, probably. Yeah. It's substantially less yeah. than the Faroe Islands, actually. Yeah, that's a huge bummer. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those, like, they, I think, had so many good seasons that mm-hmm. they were seated a little too high. And Maybe they're, they're the Greece points. of last year. Yeah, they can't get their qualification points like they normally just look to Greece for for how you how you change your fortunes yeah. and for year to year, you know. Some other losers, the English, not a going super down good the, day. No, uh, West Ham got the win, which is you know good, and Liverpool they got great the win. though. But again, both Liverpool looked a was little fine. Yeah, both looked a little shaky at first, but managed to pull themselves together and get the job done, and look pretty good in the second halves. But Brighton losing at home. In your European debut, yeah, big disappointment. That's not good. And then Aston Villa losing at Legia, big disappointment. Big disappointment there. So we'll uh, put the English eight English teams in Europe this year. Yeah, it's a lot. I'm gonna put out my marker right now. I don't think they'll finish top two in coefficient. Really? I don't top two this year. This even when City wins the Champions League again. Yeah. Even if City win the Champions League, I don't think they finish top two because it's divided by more than any other country right now. Yeah. I think that'll hurt. Maybe. Uh, and then other losers. We have two more losers. We have the Nordics as a whole. The country of Nordic. Yes. All the Nordic the countries. Country of Nord. Only one Nordic team picked up a point. That was Bodo Glimt. Uh, they had, obviously, Iceland and Faroe Islands, both their representatives lost. Uh, HJK lost. Hekken got dominated. Uh, Nordschland were pretty easily brushed aside as well. Uh, just over Molda lost overall, not a great result for any of the Nordic countries. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, the Spanish Batiste getting upset, Villarreal getting upset, and kind of dominated as well. That has us knocking them into our losers category, indeed. But you know, it's still early. All these teams, even the ones that got upset, are probably still gonna like their chances to get out. Um, also, just like a little update on the coefficient, because now that top two race is super. We super need a, we need a jingle for your coefficient section. I know podcast. Yeah, it's David's coefficient. Time. What's it? What's I needed some alliteration, maybe. Yeah. The the coefficient corner corner coefficient corner. corner. It's the Bloom Quiz coefficient corner. So, right now the two main like obviously you're the top two coefficient countries qualify directly with an extra spot for the Champions League. They get a fifth in there. Uh, right now, Germany and Italy have to be the favorites. Uh, they both got off to pretty good starts. Spain and England and France right behind them. The Netherlands are uh, up right now third overall on the coefficient table, but likely to pass the top two, which are Belgium, 4.8, and Turkey have a 7.25 coefficient so far. Wow. Who can catch them? I, probably a lot of countries, but <laughs> who can catch them? They're more than two points clear of every other They've country. Had some good European qualifying, they did great campaigns. in qualifiers. So yeah, and no Sivaspor this year to bring them down. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Although Sivaspor almost fucking won the cup again last year, how yeah. would, that would have been. No offense to Sivaspor, but I did not want to watch you again. No, you were not fun to watch. No, they were not fun to watch. 
Uh, Serbia, the other one we want to highlight, just down with a one point. That is rough. It's only one point more than Russia. Yeah. Well, no, Russia actually is being given 4.333 again. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, which was their lowest total over any mm-hmm. any of the years. So keeping them somewhat. How would they behind. have any? They, who, why do they get points? Uh, because they're played. Because they're suspended. Oh, they get like four points automatically? No. So if you're suspended, what UEFA does is they just give you the, your lowest tally from any of the single seasons over your past five years. So when you come back, you're not just like... If they come back. Yeah, if they come back. Maybe they'll come back in AFC. Yeah. Some rumors there. Uh, but yeah, so also want to highlight that Faroe Islands and Iceland have jumped up to 40th and 41st because of their single teams. And Bosnia and Herzegovina is now 39th. So How exciting. That's really exciting. And uh, the battle for fifth is also brewing. Netherlands holding on just barely. Bruin. Barely over France. Ajax's uh, performances aren't going to help. So no. they're going to have to count on, you know, PSV improving in the Champions League and Feyenoord making a run. Yeah, we very easily could have put the Dutch in our losers if we didn't. Yeah. So they need to be. Yeah, so be on notice, Netherlands. Yes, they need to be on notice that they could lose the Champions League spot. Yeah. All right. Have we done it? I think we've done it. I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Um. And this time... I have some cheers planned ahead. Oh yeah, I have two of them. I have one. Who do you who do you have? I would like to cheers to Matthias Almeida of oh. AEK Athens yeah. and formerly San Jose Earthquakes fan. Okay, I was gonna choose the Zdrinsky Mostar manager. Love that too. Unoslav Rendelich. That's a good one too. And then also nominate Kosta Runjich, the Legia manager. Okay, let's give it to. Uh, I'd say, let's give it to Zdrinsky. Yeah, I think that's the Zdrinsky. is the the most deserving yeah plus his halftime plus, speech must have been must have been incredible. one for the ages all right yeah. say his name again all right krunoslav rendelich <laughs> <laughs>